Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest today is Ty Temmel, a serial entrepreneur if there ever was one. Still in his early 30s, Ty has either founded or co-founded numerous businesses within the hospitality events and entertainment sector. As well as a highly motivated and successful entrepreneur, Ty recognises the importance of getting the right mindset and challenging himself physically. Ty also strongly believes in the role an entrepreneur has to play in the community and acts as both an ambassador and fundraiser for Dorset Mind, which supports people with mental health challenges. Ty is clearly an extraordinary individual and I've been wanting to get him on the show for some time to hear his story. Not only am I fascinated by his incredible drive and passion, I also want to know how he finds the time to do it all. It's a great conversation, which I'm sure you'll be inspired by. Welcome, Ty, to the Evolved Succeed podcast. Thanks for having me, Warren. Yeah, it's great to have you on a guest. I've wanted you on the podcast for a number of months now, so great to be sitting down and having this conversation with you today. I suppose for our listeners, we should put a little bit of context around you and what you do. So perhaps briefly, could you just touch on the businesses and the ventures that you're involved in? For sure. So I'm predominantly based in the hospitality, leisure, entertainment sector. Uh, some of the more well-known stuff probably locally would be Halo Nightclub yeah. is one. Um, Sandfest, okay. music festival on Sandbanks Beach. Okay. Um, I'm a partner in San Polo, okay. which is the two days before Sandfest. Yes. Um, what else have we got? We've got G White's in Swanage, which is like a bar, restaurant, cafe that's um, okay. seasonal, only opens in the summer right by the quay. Does like okay. seafood, local seafood, alcohol, it's lovely. Uh, give that one a go? Yeah, yeah, it's lovely, it's <laughs> lovely. And then just events like um, I Am Events, which is high-end Dinner shows, we've had guests like Anthony Joshua in, Floyd Mayweather, Tyson Fury, Jason Fox, here to Paul and Bournemouth, wow. so we've brought them down. Um, charity boxing events, just anything in that sort of event okay. field. Events, hospitality yeah, kind of entertainment. Bar, restaurant, kind yeah, of yeah. Striving into kind of entertainment kind of stuff. Anything that can keep my brain engaged. Okay. Because it wanders easily. It wanders easily. Okay, <laughs> we're going to touch on that. Because I was quite really intrigued by the number of things that you are involved in and how you keep that momentum. So we're definitely going to cover that off in our conversation but you know where did your entrepreneurial journey begin because there's a lot of ventures which was the one that started it and where did that journey really begin for you Ty? I would probably have to say all I've known my whole life is my dad working for himself okay so he was an immigrant he moved here years ago to give me a better life from Turkey Uh, I was born in Turkey I always tell people I was born in London okay because it changes their dynamic of me but we'll go on to that later okay so I came to England when I was two, okay. so I don't know any different. So no. We lived in London for a bit and we moved down south, but 
all he ever did was work for himself and my mum. So I okay. guess subliminally, it was programmed into me that you grow up and you set a business up. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I never sort of saw the there journey of a different road. education, a career, okay. a development, retirement, pension. I've not yeah. seen that with any of my family. Yeah. Um, so it started very, very young, very young. Me and dad um, used to play chess a lot as a kid and he would use that to teach me life lessons. So he would set up scenarios on a chessboard and try and he's a very profound guy, an incredible guy, talks in like proverbs all the time, if okay. you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's like one of those like, and I remember being a kid thinking, what is this guy on about? Like, I'm, <laughs> But now like I look back and 99% of the decisions I make that I think an intuition or instinct are actually his programming uh, from a very young age. Wow. Um, but anyway, so my first entrepreneurial thing probably started at school. Okay. Um, I, I got into a lot of trouble because my dad used to go to Booker's and Macro and buy stock for his little kebab van that yeah. he had that he'd park around and they'd shoe him on because he had no permission. Yeah. So I started going with him and I used to love it, all the aisles of all the sweets and the drinks. Yeah. And I used to buy penny sweets and cans of Coke and this sort of stuff, put them in my backpack and take them to school. It's a real hustling from yeah. a young age. And I I grew it so much. I guess now they call that network marketing. Yeah. Like herbal life, etc. Yes. But I did it when that wasn't a thing. So what I did is I got a male and a female in every class in every year to sell for me. <laughs> Pyramid selling. Yeah, basically, yeah. I didn't know what that was. I was, yeah, but it's I was true. a kid. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they would take this can of Coke and sell it, and they would get would take the cost out, and they would get X, and I would get X. Yeah. So I was sat, eventually sat, with this small little empire, yeah. and everyone was selling, but I was getting a cut of everything without actually now having to sell. Okay. I was just wholesaling. I was bringing the goods in, selling. Anyway, the teachers called my dad in and they, <laughs> they had a go at him and they said, Ali, his name's Ali. They said, Ali, look, we don't know what's normal where you guys come from. This is yeah. years ago, obviously. But you can't be doing this. Your son set up a cartel in the school. <laughs> the tuck shop's taking a hit. You know, like, <laughs> they were going mad saying, you can't be doing this, you can't be doing this. Um, so that was probably my... And my dad actually had a go at me there in front of the teacher in English. Okay. And I remember when we left the room and he was like holding my hand, walking down the thing, he was like... In Turkish, he said, son, ignore everything I said in there. He said, never change. He said, yeah. that, keep going as you're going. Ignore this. They want you to sit, fit into a box. Yeah. You keep they doing what... You comply. Yes. Yeah. You keep doing what you're doing because you've got something. Yeah. yeah I, was, I must have been 14, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, something like that. 15, yeah. maybe. That, that 14, sort of 15, senior that, school kind that, of that age. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that kind of age. That was probably my first entrepreneurial yeah. Yeah. Um, experience, I would say. And then... If we fast forward it a little bit, as I got older, as I think most boys do, you start sort of not butting heads with your father, but you think you know better than yeah. them. You know, you get to that Part sort of teenage age and you're yeah. sort of the alpha male thing. The alpha in, male comes in the household and you're and like, well, you what, no, you, what do you know, dad? You're 50. You've always been 50. That's your yeah. mentality, isn't it? Yeah. You've never been 18. You don't know what I'm going through, yeah. sort of thing. Um, little did I know. But then I, so we butted heads a bit and he was always like, son, look, go and do whatever you want. If you want to study, go and study. I never could, didn't have the opportunity. I can give you the opportunity, go and study, yeah. sort of thing. I said, I'll try. So I went back to college a few times to try and re-study, but I really struggled with the educational system. Okay. I, I was very focused, but for a short period of time. Okay. I've probably got some form of undiagnosed ADHD. My attention span is, yeah. is rubbish, so I might drift off in a minute And, and I suppose that might be why you've got so many <laughs> ventures, but again, we'll cover that off. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I tried to do a few bits and I just couldn't 
who they used to say to him at school, he's so intelligent, Ali, but he just doesn't concentrate. Yeah, doesn't focus. Doesn't focus, doesn't like gets bored and goes off and does yeah. something. So I tried that, that didn't work. And then I was like, do you know what? I quite like the idea of working in a suit. I always see these people walking up and down in a suit. It looks like they're really successful, really happy. Looks so, can be perceiving. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to get into a job that lets me wear a suit. So I got a job at Barclays Bank <laughs> um, in Broadstone. Okay. Started off as a cashier. Yeah. Worked with them for probably 11 months. Learned an awful lot in that period. Yeah. Like, couldn't turn up when I wanted to. Couldn't leave when I wanted to. There was yeah. a lot of stuff. That freedom, about yeah, being in a had. working environment, yeah. And um, I was very good naturally at what you call networking now. Yeah. Very good at bringing people together. Very good at making people trust me and feel comfortable. Yeah. Which where the sales happen. If you want yeah. to sell, you need trust. You need yeah. comfort. People need to feel comfortable around you. You've got to have an instant rapport and yes. all of those things. So you? I very quickly from cashier became personal banker, had a car, then was okay. going around a lot of the south uh, branches that weren't hitting target and was selling. Okay. It got to a point where I guess because we came from quite hardship, yeah. we came to the country with nothing. You know, me and mum and dad were sharing a bedroom in London. Yeah. We'd eat doner kebab that was left over, breakfast, lunch and dinner, yeah. cornflakes with water. There's a lot yeah. of that in the early days. I got to the point in the bank where I realised we actually aren't helping anyone. We're just trying to hit targets. So one was the income. I mean, yeah. my annual salary was 11 and a half grand a year then. Yeah. I mean, it's mental to think about it. It is. Like, yeah. I started on £60 a week. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you're... you're yeah. yeah, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think my bank manager at the time was on twenty-five grand a year. Yeah. And I had much bigger aspirations. I had linked financial success with happiness. Yeah. That's all I ever saw growing up here trying to fit in. So I thought, okay, that's what I presumed oh, okay. was, the, was the way to make it. So I thought, I'm never going to get this from the bank. Even as an IFA in Barclays, I might be on 60 grand a year. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Which is a lot of money, and I'm not being like um, yeah. insensitive about it. But what I saw from my parents, what they'd been through, what I wanted to achieve, what life I wanted, I needed, I, I thought I needed more. Okay. I thought I needed more. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, I really want to cover that <laughs> off, because you don't strike me now as somebody where financial and success and things at all determine your, you and determine who you are and determine success. At all anymore? No, I don't at all. No, um, I'll come on to that though. Then anyway, I, I worked in Barclays for a bit, um, and I think the final straw off the camel's back was a young single mother had come in, in tears. I wasn't a cashier; I was a personal banker then. And to, to saying that she couldn't afford her rent, she couldn't afford this, she couldn't afford that. And obviously, my manager said, oh, "I'll go and see the personal banker. Ty will look after you." I've gone in, I've sat with her, done all the numbers. Um, I had a natural knack for numbers from a young age in my head, probably okay. from my dad and, yeah, and like, yeah. teaching and all the selling cans of Coke and stuff. <laughs> it's be there, so I yeah. sort of worked everything out in my head and I remember going back behind and I said to my manager at the time, I said, look, I, I can't help this woman with the way you want me to help her. You want me to extend her overdraft or you want me to give her a loan. I am telling you, she's going to be back in three months homeless. Yeah. And she was like, no, no, we've got a target to hit. We've yeah, got a target to hit. Just, just hit the target. Look at the board. We're going to be the highest performing thing in the whatever. And I, and I remember, and I did it. I sold to her. Yeah. But I just could not sleep that night. It was like, this ain't, this, ain't, this ain't right. No. If you know what I mean. So anyway, I handed my notice in. I thought, this isn't for me. This corporate world isn't for me. Went back off on my own. And then I guess the first business I set up was wholesaling. Because my dad had kebab shops by this stage. Okay. So he had a bit of a foothold. He had a few kebab shops, a few off-licenses and a few bits going. He had a wimpy franchise okay. in Weymouth, Dorchester and Swanage. Um, I'm now a lot older. I'm like 20-odd. So I thought, right, I'll tell you what I can do. Because I was look always looking for opportunities. Yeah. I thought, 
you know, these kebab boxes, these pizza boxes, these paper, these straws that come in, why don't I supply? I could already have six, seven shops through my families and uncles and cousins, and it's a bit of a foothold. You know, I was always of that mindset. So when we were out with the boys partying, I never not partied, but we were drinking with vodka and Red Bull, whatever it was at the time yeah. I was in, and I would be drinking out of the straw thinking, God, looking around, God, they're going for some straws here. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I can supply them straws. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like sort of thing. So the salt, yeah. It so was always... That, source, that spirit is there and that... From a very young age. Op- seeing opportunities. From a, even conkers in the playground, Pokemon cards, yeah. that sort of trading. And do you think that is that hunger that you was installed in you as a child and seeing coming into the country and seeing, you know, that you start from very humble beginnings and some, you know, some difficulties, but in a loving environment and a caring environment, do you think it was that challenge that has made you open your eyes to opportunity? It's definitely had a big part in it. Like, I I had nothing as a kid from my parents in terms of material. No. But I was super lucky. Yeah. I had unconditional love. Real love. Yeah. Real love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, absolutely. Not the superficial love that if I'm doing well, I get a pat on the back. Yeah. So, that helps... My parents, I'm lucky or fortunate, they're still together. They still hold hands and skip and go down yeah. the, you know what I mean, walk down the side. From that element, I'm extremely fortunate. Yeah. From material element, we haven't been. And I guess listening to my dad, seeing what my family are going through in Turkey, the struggles they'd been through, we'd lived through. I was a bit young through some of it, but yeah. he always reminds me. And if I ever need a grounding, yeah. like I'll drive to Swanage and I'll sit and have a coffee with my dad. Yeah. And I'll come back, right, reset. Get yeah. off that hamster wheel, you idiot. Yeah. And, and actually it's, concentrate on this isn't important. also about material yes. things this is about a journey yeah so it's definitely definitely had a big part that the hunger's one i think the biggest thing Warren, i'll be honest and i've worked on this with a therapist for a while is my desire to fit in yeah is where the hunger comes from okay and the in success, which way do you think you didn't fit in or don't fit in i'm going to say this in the most brutally honest thing ever i was the only brown kid in my school okay we moved from when we moved from london when i was eight or nine Basically, Dad quickly identified that the areas we lived in London, he were as bad as places in Istanbul because we couldn't afford to live. We were living in Knightsbridge. We were living in, God knows where, Walthamstow and some horrible Murder Mile, one road was called, uh, in Haringey. Not the place to bring Um, up a kid. So he he was like, right, I'm going to go and find another town. So on his one day off, he'd leave me and mum and he'd drive to find a seaside town for us to grow up in. And he's discovered Swanage. God knows how. Okay. (laughs) So I wish you'd discovered Bournemouth, yeah. but anyway. It only takes so, an hour to get to yeah. from Bournemouth. <laughs> so we moved to Swanage, and I guess it was a, an era when they had no Indian takeaways in Swanage, no Chinese takeaways, uh, so okay. no ethnic minority. Not their fault, not the no. town's fault. It's a beautiful town. The community is amazing, and overall they're very welcoming, and we're part of the furniture now. Yeah, My family are a part of Swanage. Yeah. We love it, and they love us. You know, it's our town. And um, so I, I guess what I was trying to say is when I went to school there... It wasn't like London. No. It was... You were different. I all, all of a sudden stood out. Or perceived as being yes. different. Yes. I was a little bit picked on. I was bullied a little bit. Um, I wouldn't hold any of it against people. They At the time, they didn't know any better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not a... There's no animosity there and some of them I'm friends with now. Yeah. Um, but... And, and school years are savage, right? Yeah. Your kids, when you're at None school... None of us have a great experience, do we, really? It's yeah. Savage. It's like horrible yeah. environment, really. Um, so, yeah. So I guess that... I mean, I did. I only discovered this a few years ago with the help of this lady. But I guess that element of fitting in, pleasing people, okay, came from that. 
if we if we break it all down yeah and then that's where the whole thing came of right my dad had a tough life why did he have a tough life he didn't have money yeah that I sort of I looked at the kids at the school that all the girls fancied or yeah. were really looked really happy yeah. and their dads had jet skis their dads had boats dads were business owners and dads yeah. were managing directors of this and yeah. CEOs of that and I thought okay I made a correlation right for me to be happy I need money yeah. and I need a big old title yeah they're the two things that are going to change my life yeah <laughs> <laughs> How wrong was I? But yeah. anyway, that's probably... A, that's probably right. I mean, I could talk for hours on it, but that's probably yeah. a little bit well, of we'll an understanding. Well, we'll as well at the end. I'm going to ask you that, what your definition of success is now. But let's save that for the very last question. Cool. At 24, you opened the Halo nightclub there. That's correct, yes. So that's a big, bold move. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's a, you know, for people that are listening that you know, aren't from Portland Bournemouth, that's a it's one of the biggest nightclubs in Paul and Bournemouth. It's a big venue, isn't it? Yeah. It's a prestigious venue. Yeah. Um, so how did that come about? And how did it feel like on opening night? How did it come about? It came about, you know, I said to you, I kept going back to college. Yeah. So I met a guy that asked me, he wanted to tap into the college market to promote his own clubs and yeah. his own club nights. And he couldn't. And I was quite popular in the college at the stage because I was quite okay. just quite good with yeah. people and he said look why don't you give out some flyers for me for my events yeah I think it was like four ninety an hour or something he was paying me at the time <laughs> and I thought here we are we're having yeah. it here and, I, and I'll be honest you know and completely honest I thought right it's another excuse to talk to people yeah. guys girls you know yeah. like are you coming out tonight it's just it breaks that barrier yeah. of entry of socializing okay. which I really enjoy um so I started giving out flyers I thought I'm quite good at this then I started selling tickets and getting a cut of the ticket commission I'm always what's next yeah what's next yeah that's my attention span yeah Yeah. so I thought what's next and I thought the natural progression was then to become a promoter so promoter um I would go to nightclubs that were either shut on certain days or extremely quiet and I would say to them right so let's say you've got a club Warren and Saturday you're having it off Friday's a bit quiet yeah or you're shut I would come to you and say look let me take Friday night I will call it Ties Promotion or whatever I decide to name yeah. it. I will take all the door money, so all the entry money, but I will provide the promotion and the entertainment, so DJ, etc. You take all your bar money. Okay. That's the normal setup between a promoter and a venue. You, and it still happens today. We still have it at Halo with promoters yeah. coming in. They said, okay. So I started doing that. So, so all of a sudden, I was 20, I think, 19, 19, I think I was. And I'm running club nights. Now... It was all cash in those days. Yeah. So people are coming to the door and paying five pounds to get in. Yeah. And I try and explain this to some of my wife's parents' friends that are from a different generation or my dad's friends. And they're like, so what's a promoter? Like, how do you make money for being a promoter? What's... And I said, and I say to them, Eddie Hearn's a promoter. Matchrooms, yeah. he's a promoter. Yeah. So I said to him, think of it like this. If you've got a nightclub that holds a thousand people and you're charging five pounds to get in, that's five grand. Yeah. It's costing you maximum maximum 20% in those days yeah. to provide a DJ, prints and flyers and hustle it yourself on the street. Yeah. Okay. That's net. Yeah. Now imagine a few of those nights across a few towns. Yeah. It and escalates. you're on footballer money. Yeah. It escalates quite quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, all this money's coming in. You've got a shoebox under your bed because no one's taught you how to bank. <laughs> you're not from a family that, you know, has, has that yeah. sort of experience. And it kind of just went from there and there. And I, and I saw I naturally had a knack for marketing. And then I thought, right, I'll get a job. I actually got a job at, 
176 nightclub. Do you remember it? It's next to Camel. Okay, right, yeah. It's, it's one of the horrible six airmers. There's <laughs> yeah, two in town. Yeah. Um, if you've if you're ended up there, it's either a really good night or a really bad night. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I became a manager of that for about nine months. Okay. To learn operations. Right, because you knew the promotion. I knew so this I side of the bar very how and do I, I get to know And I was clashing side. heads a lot of the time with the managers. And there's always this dynamic. We still have it. Our operations department clashes yeah. with the marketing department. Yeah. They that feel, happens in every business. They feel they don't do a lot Sounds and they get paid loads. Yes, yes. Yeah. there you go. So I was like, I need to understand why. So I did a little bit of that, understood sort of like rotoring, stocks, um, GPs, sheets, this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and then one thing led to another, one thing led to another, and the opportunity came around, as a long story, but I've shortened it, of getting involved in Halo, basically. It was called yeah. V at the time. Yeah. I was actually one of their promoters as well. That's the funny thing. I did nights there, and I was one of their promoters giving out flyers. That came about from that. There was an opportunity, something had happened with the previous owner. I won't delve into that too much, and it was available to purchase Yeah. Um, at a reduced rate and with some sort of stage payment. Okay. Because because of the position that yeah. the club found itself in, um, I had a little bit of money, but I didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of money. I did save a lot of I had a lot of the money I had. So what I didn't do like most is I didn't um, with my first five hundred pound go and floss and buy a Louis Vuitton belt. Yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah. So I kept it all, and I thought yeah. I need to put this in the bank or get it into a business. Yeah. Rather than doing that, yeah, because down the line I can buy a lot of that. Style, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Build for the future. Yeah. For sure, and a lot of people just. Spend spend as they went at that period of their life um so yeah we took over we opened we didn't have a license we spent three months and probably circa eighty thousand pounds trying to get a premises license to be able to serve alcohol because there was an incident that lost a license previously we took on february and we opened may the 4th yesterday okay (laughs) (laughs) yesterday was our ninth birthday okay congratulations that's been a journey i'd imagine over nine years hell of a journey yeah (laughs) um and then the second part of your question how does it feel to be honest, I didn't feel anything yeah. because I think it happened so quick. Okay. It happened so quick. And for me to get involved in that, my parents didn't really have money to give me. I think my dad le- lent me five grand. It's all he had yeah. at the time in terms of cash. He yeah. had a lot of assets and business ticking over, but not yeah. physical saved up money. Um, so I borrowed. Yeah. I borrowed a lot. I borrowed from friends. I borrowed from unsavory people. I borrowed from whoever I needed to borrow from because I truly believed to make that opportunity. I could make that opportunity work. Yeah. And I've always been brave and I've always been bold in this scenario. So you think you make these decisions based on intuition and gut? Million dollar question. Yes, there's an element. At the time, I would have said no because I was young and dumb and, and, and thought I was, just, I was so confident and I thought I could do anything. Take the world on. Yes, I'll take the Here world on. on. And as, yeah. as you know, as we get older and as we get more aware, we get filled with more doubt yeah. in life. We realise consequences. One, it? It's very weird because just quickly touching on like meditation or reading or journaling or all these things I do a lot of, the more aware I get, the more ignorant I wish I was. Yeah. Because ignorance is happiness. Yeah. Because you don't you see don't anything know what else. You don't know, do Whereas you? now I'm quizzing everything in life. I've always been the why guy. Yeah. But like everything. You know, I, I'm like even quizzing myself. Like I do, I'm an ambassador of Dorset Mind, as you know. I do a load of stuff with charity and fundraising and helping people. And I have a battle with myself sometimes. I speak to the guys there and I say, am I doing this because I genuinely want to help and be a nice guy? Or am I doing it selfishly because of how I feel from helping or how people perceive me yeah. to be because I'm helping others? Yeah. Like... It just blows your mind. <laughs> you go too deep. <laughs> just, you know. and- so gut intuition, 
I think life programming from the old man, yeah. life lessons, and little things I've seen and hear him do definitely have a, a feeling, a, a gut feeling from inside. Something's telling me, yes. I yeah. don't know where that's coming from. Call it intuition, call it experience, yeah. call it whatever experience, but something is going, yes, do it. Yeah. I've not really been burnt going on my gut. Okay. My biggest issue, and Will Smith talks about it in his book, is I suffer with something called paralysis through analysis. Yeah. You just... Yeah. I'm a massive overthinker, massive overanalyzer. But is that only in later life? Or do you think you were doing it from a young age as well? It's getting worse as I'm getting older. <laughs> is that because you've got something to lose now? And I don't mean financial to lose, but you've got a lifestyle, you've got a you know, you've got a, a life that you enjoy, you help others, you do all of those things. I, I you, guess I'm perceived as successful. Is it because you've got something to lose that you that paralysis kicks in? I, do you think? I guess I'm comfortable. And as humans, I think it's in our DNA that we, yeah. we do like structure. We like routine. Yeah. We're tribal animals. We, we like comfort. When we get comfortable, you, you want to sort of, you then don't want to get yeah. uncomfortable again. You've been uncomfortable for years and you're in a yeah. position that feels home and safe and sound. And maybe it's that. I but don't know. But why do some push through it then? You know, there's the extremes, isn't there? There's the Elon Musk's, the Richard Branson's yes. of this world that will just keep pushing. And then there's others that maybe like you and I that, you know, come from very humble beginnings. We have this ambition. We want to create some security. We go on this journey. We then realize actually life's about a bit more than that. And in a financial success doesn't define us. But actually it helps make us feel secure and do the other things we love in life. But we might get to a point where we think we struggled with, am I going to go again? And I, I regularly sit with my wife and I say, look, I'm cool now we're going to chill and an opportunity comes up and I'm two footed tackled straight into it. Yeah, shiny new thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the fish out of Nemo. <laughs> um, to answer your question, I believe people like Elon Musk, people like Branson, you, I, whoever at any level, people that continue to strive genuinely believe they can make a difference for the good. Yeah. That's what I believe. Yeah. And that will come down to what my definition of success is later on. Okay. Because that will answer what I'm saying right now. Yeah. Um, you, I genuinely believe, like, people want to, I don't know about, some of it's ego. Yeah. So, you know, some of them might want to leave a legacy, want to be remembered. Because yeah. we all think we're super important in life. And we are all important and we're cared about. And someone loves us, you know, whatever, all these things. But if you actually look at history, our time on this planet oh, it's just a is is an ant. You know, I, I read a book called The Daily Stoic every morning. Yeah, there's, there's got a one. copy of that yeah, book. Yeah, I've been reading that. It's my third year round reading it. Okay. And I, must the, admit, and I the, haven't got as good a discipline. I'll probably uh, read one in three days. And The Daily Laws by Robert Greene. So oh, that's okay. one a day as well. But if you look at the things that Marcus Aurelius has written from 2,000 years ago, yeah. it's the same shit, yeah. trouble, sorry if I'm not allowed to swear, you are that, allowed we're, to swear that, we're, that we're dealing with yeah. now. So... He thought he was really important. I thought I was really important. But in reality, when you're gone, life goes on, time yeah. goes on. And in a year, a month, two years, five years, 10 years, depending how your loved ones are, you're gone. Yeah. So and one of the reasons why I'm being so bold and brave in business, I was going to say this earlier, is really what have we got to lose? Yeah. What have we got to lose? Like I've opened a... A new coffee shop and gym, as you know, in the middle of yeah. the pandemic called Rise in, in the Triangle. And it's a massive overlay. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. I should have recovered from COVID. I'm 
like strapped up to my eyeballs in debt in that place. Yeah. It's tough. The market's tough. Everything's tough in general. But in my eyes, I think of it like this. I genuinely believe in that project, yeah. so I'm going to do it. Yeah. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, and my missus is always like, how do you stay so calm? Why do you not, why are you not stressed? And I'm like, I am stressed, but what's stress going to do? Yeah. What does it change? I can only control the controllables. So if that business goes under, I say to her, what have we actually lost? Let's mm. sit down and break it down. My ego's going to hurt. Yeah. My pride's going to hurt. Everyone's going, Ty's failed. Yeah. That's going to hurt a bit, but who really cares about yeah. that in deep down? Yeah. Again, as we will be forgotten, that will be forgotten. Yeah. The other thing is, we're going to lose a ton of money. So we're going to lose a ton of money. We're going to then owe some money, but it's money. It can yeah. be remade. Yeah. It's, There's it's no a... harm to our life. There's no harm to others' lives. That's yeah. really important. That's a really important one. Yeah, the two I think some people in business don't always comprehend that yeah, one. Yeah, they don't. You're right. And this is why I'll never have a private jet. Yeah. I'll never be that wealthy. I'll never yeah. be an Elon Musk. Yeah. I don't want to be either. Because you but have I... to. There's a, I don't know, this is probably a sweeping statement, but you probably have to get to the point where you are doing that in the detriment and hurting you, you have to be a little bit um you and and, and sort of like yeah. blinkers on to i feel yeah. to get above a certain beyond a point of material success yeah. i don't think you can get there without the detriment maybe of your wife your family your kids yeah. your social life your mental health your physical yeah. health because pre-covid i i tried to get somewhere and it ruined me really if i look back now and now i and i, and I didn't even get that far <laughs> i didn't even get that far that's yeah. a mad thing i'm not sat on a pot of gold i've i've I, I guess i'm lucky and unlucky but yeah so those lost my trailer thought there yeah. my mind's gone <laughs> so, so but actually there's one thing that you you're talking about a lot during the course of this conversation and i wasn't sure it was something would, that would come out and i probably hoped it would in this conversation with you but there is a something about having a growth mindset, isn't there? Yes, completely. You're, you know, you're talking about reading the daily. You know, yeah. You're talking about health. You're talking about nutrition. You're talking about meditation, meditation, journaling, exercise. Yeah, journaling, the whole thing. When did you f adopt that growth mindset, and how's it changed you, Ty? I think I've always had a growth mindset from the upbringing that I told you about. Yeah. But I think it was channeled to the wrong thing yeah that's probably the fairest way of describing okay, it okay but when did it click into actually being better about caring for yourself and others very late March 2020 okay. during the pandemic okay very late so do you think so at this, that point it was about the material thing completely ah. completely so without sounding super insensitive to others and lost ones and, and all that kind of stuff Covid probably from a personal growth perspective was the best thing that happened to me okay because it, you, drive and ambition are great, Warren, right? But yeah. if you become a slave to that yeah. drive and ambition, it's not a very yeah. nice well, place to be. You're just playing to your own ego, aren't you? Yeah, so I presumed, I was on a hamster wheel, I was running round and round, yeah. and there was a pound note hanging at the end, and I presumed once I get to that pound note, I'm yeah. going to be happy. Yeah. And I've even said this to my wife, you know, I've said, oh, if we just earn, let me give you hypotheticals, if I could just earn another grand a month, we'd be sweet. Yeah. And then you'd earn five times that, and you're still skin and unhappy. Yeah. Because obviously live to your means, et cetera, et cetera. So pre-COVID, I was very much of that mindset. I was build, 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 you know, do this, do that, business, money. Very, very fixed in this narrative that's being peddled out at the moment that I yeah. think is toxic about if you want to be successful, you have to get up at 5 a.m., you have to work yourself into the ground yeah. and you, you have to do this and do that. Yeah. I, and as I a result, don't, you'll have all this material yeah. stuff. I don't agree with that anymore. 
I did. I did. I was missed one hundred and ten percent focused on that. And I and I, you know, I think the, I think it's the Dalai Lama or whatever said the quote. The, the funny thing he finds about mankind is we spend all of our life to acquire all of our health to acquire wealth and yeah. then we use all that wealth to reacquire our health later in life it's the <laughs> it's most maddest thing true, yeah. something along those lines anyway the quote yeah, is um so i guess what happened we went to covid everything shut down now what that means for someone like myself is i can't ever switch off i'm always connected i yeah. cannot switch off i can't do it christmas day is probably the only day that my phone doesn't go off sometimes i get two and a half thousand whatsapps a day right so i, I don't switch off i spin a lot of plates and I also won't switch off if I think I'm falling behind of the competition. Okay. This was pre-COVID mindset. Yeah. So let's say you've got a nightclub, I've got a nightclub. If I take my foot off the gas, you're still going. Yeah. So I'm falling behind. You know, to perform well in front of thousands, you have to train on your own. You know, w- without the thousands yeah, there, aren't absolutely. you, to be able to, yeah, to be able to do that. So that was my mindset when we went to COVID. It was like, right, the first lockdown. I was like, right, for the first few days, it was surreal, right? Everyone was like, well, this is weird. What's this about then? I can't open my business. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks in, I was like, oh, this is actually really nice. Phone's not ringing. Yeah. I'm not stressed that Cameo or Lost or all the other clubs or Barso are doing X, Y, and Z and I'm not. Yeah. So that's gone. That anxiety of falling yeah. behind. And, okay. you know, we, we're, we're in a horrible industry that goes in cycles of being in fashion and not in fashion in the nightclub yeah. industry. So like you've always got this and you're one incident away from being shut down. So yeah. you, you do live in this constant state of anxiety in the nighttime economy. It's flipping hard, mate. Yeah. Like okay, yeah, I never no one's coming in here idea. and stabbing anyone. Well, no. bloody hope not, unless no. you're doing bad <laughs> <Yeah>. accountancy. We've <laughs> 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 great clients. But, but, but you know what I mean? If yeah. It takes one overdose, one incident, one yeah. big fight, one something, and we are licensed with roped. So that goodwill you've built is gone. Yeah. Completely gone. So you're always in a state. And everybody's waiting for you to make that mistake. Of course they they? are. Of course they are. We're in a, we're in a, we're in a, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a funny industry. So anyway, yeah. So I relaxed. I I did whatever. And and, uh, that period, I I have to have a focus. This comes back to my short tension span. I have to have something. I'm a hundred, I'm zero or a hundred. And I'm trying to work on this balance at the moment. Yeah. So for me, it was always work. And it never felt like work. You know, when they say find a job you love doing, you know, work doing. For me, it wasn't work. I couldn't wait for a Monday morning. Yeah. I thought new opportunities. We're on. We're fired up. We're ready to go, and I had to find a new love when we went to pandemic. So I was always half into the gym. My whole life I've been into the gym. Yeah, but more, more, life. more aesthetically. Yes. So more to have abs or to look good or to not really for the real purpose of it of well being. I would say. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we went to lockdown. I was 105 kilo, muscular no cardiovascular system could barely run and everyone was doing the 5k challenge if you yeah, remember couch the, yeah, yeah, yeah couch, couch 5, 5k, 5K yeah. so I said to my missus well, I'm going out I'm doing a 5k me 0 to 100 I went out I did 2k and I came home feeling yeah. sorry for myself my shin splints were horrendous I couldn't breathe I was struggling a big heavy guy not really designed for running um, anyway so I've come back I then thought right I know what I'll do. I'll set myself focus. I want to run. I'm looking at everyone's times on Strava. And saying, <laughs> You're getting competitive I, yeah, now. But I, again, this, my focus is shifting. Yeah. Right, I'm going to be able to run. It'd be really nice to complete a marathon, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, it would. Yeah, let's do it. So I then completed a 5K, then got my 5K time down, then a 10, then a half, then a hole within six weeks of that sofa. Smashed my knees up, wow. smashed my hips up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we completed a marathon. Don't get me wrong, it was just under five hours. It was slow yeah. by, na- by my running times yeah. now. 
But for someone that had never run to six weeks, yeah. everyone was like, you lot are mad, you're going to get injured. Yeah, da, da, yeah. Da, da, da. And I completed that marathon. And the last 5K, probably 10K of that marathon, it's just me against me. Yeah. It's you fighting your own head. There's no running involved. That's what endurance sport's about, isn't There's it? There's no running involved. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, how are you managing that? Well, running by definition is one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You don't have to go fast, slow it down. Just complete it. Yeah. Just complete it. And that's kind of like, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'd run 100 meters and stop. And my a good friend of mine who I do own the gym with was running with me, who's super fit. And he was like, come on, mate, don't stop. Just keep going. Just keep... So it's like this battle. Yeah. Anyway, so I did that. Then I got into sea dipping. Then I did some Wim Hof breathing, you know, all this, okay, yeah. uh, all this kind of stuff. stuff. Then I started dabbling in stuff. You know, I just watched a lot of people talking about reading. And I always used to think reading, right? This is a funny thing. I now get anxious that I'm... 33, I don't have enough years in my life to read all the books I want to read. So I'm now going the other way. <laughs> I'm panicking. So, yeah, go on. Sorry. So I got into, I then got into reading because I thought everyone's reading. I always thought with reading, I'll read when I've retired. It's one of them things, you know, like when people think, I'll do that when I've retired. But really, you want that knowledge now. You want that escape now. There's no point in having it when you're not doing it. anything. Is yeah, there? so got into a bit of reading, bit of meditating, bit of journaling, and kind of all this stuff. And just now I sort of like strongly promote and champion, as yeah. you know, the, the fitness thing and, and like the, the health thing, the well-being thing. Like I will categorically, like the last few dates your um, assistant guy gave me to book yeah. in with you, one of them clashed with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I said I couldn't do it. Yeah. I now categorically will put in my workouts first into yeah. my diary and everything else builds around it. And have you found that shift two years after March 2020? in terms of running your businesses and the pace and success of your businesses? Have you adapted the way in which you run your businesses as a result? Good question. Um, it's hard to tell because we're still in a turbulent position. Yeah, you're not really... It's not real stability yet. No. Um, I'm definitely calmer. I'm definitely, uh, as, a, as, a, as a leader, I guess, being able to make decisions a lot calmer than I was, not as hot-headed and being able to understand other people's mm. uh, feelings better, yeah. their decisions better, probably more empathetic than I was. Great. I always had empathy. I was very good at that, yeah. but I feel like I'm probably more so. Um, we've changed the dynamic of the team. We, we promote well-being with them. Yeah. You know, we promote them to train. We promote them to eat healthy. We, we ask a lot now how people are actually feeling. Mm. We don't punish as much for if someone tries something and yeah. it goes wrong. Because we've got this thing in our educational system and it pulls into the business world as well. And Elon Musk says this, you know, we we educate creativity out of our children at school. Yeah. Because you're punished if you make a mistake. Yeah. So you that then instills fear to try anything new. So now if our manager comes up to us, just last night they sent us a proposal for a new Saturday night concept moving forward. You know, in previously we might have been like we would we were under this mindset. We've always done it like that, so yeah. we're going to do it like that. That works. Yeah. That's my way. But it was archaic, yeah. and it didn't work. It stopped working. <laughs> yeah. If I look pre-pandemic, some of the things we were doing, it actually was dying anyway. Yeah. And we're blaming the pandemic for a lot of it, but it was our stale, archaic yeah. mindset. Whereas now, if they want to try something, and they've done their research, don't get yeah. me wrong, not just throwing like not a ball out of a window. Yeah. Ideas, so they, want to post it. No, so they've done no, a bit no, of research, no. they've looked around the country, what's working, what are the best clubs in the world doing, yeah. what nights work, what, then look at our demographic, our area. We want to try this. If it didn't work, no one gets in trouble. No one gets a disciplinary. No one gets their bonus cut. Yeah. Because 
how are we ever going to grow if we're fixed like that? It's it's really interesting, isn't it? It's brilliant that you're bringing that into the business. But you know, the thing you say about the education system, and I think that is why a lot of people that succeed in business haven't got that formal education. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people that are successful, and, and you know, academic education is great. You know, and people succeed with it. But those that succeed in business typically haven't got it because they've rebelled at school and they want to be creative. Yeah, it's different. It, it is. is. I left school at 16, you know? Did you? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, there was a bit of resistance from the team and it won't necessarily work for every business. No. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just talking about my experiences, yeah. what's worked for us. You know, like I've always been one type of person. If I suddenly, if you come in as a complete different head honcho tomorrow, yeah. there's going to be a bit of resistance. Yeah. There's going to be a bit of like, I guess the biggest thing that's changed is I'm not as competitive if I look back. Yeah. Now I'm probably not as competitive. Right. But I'm going to challenge you on that. In business. Had, okay. In business. You're definitely. <laughs> I, I can see a very kind of obsessive and competitive individual obsessive, in front yes. of me. Definitely. Mm. But can I just challenge you on that? You've had this two years of calmness, and it must have been so disruptive to be in the hospitality, entertainment, nightclub industry in the last two years. So it must have been hell running that business. But that's given you this space to become this person you now are, Tommy. Mm-hmm. When everything does open up and you know things do succeed and you've got 5,000 people coming through the doors on a Friday, Saturday night yeah. and the money, the tills start to ring again, how are you going to resist becoming that person you were before? Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's where your values lie as a person. Okay. Where are your values and what you deem as important in your life? So I think that's what's shifted in me in the last okay. two years. Yeah. So I'm not saying money's evil and I'm not saying you don't want yeah. it. Of course you I want it. You need it for security. Yeah, I need it for security and I need it for freedom. Yeah. I want to do what right I want to do, when I want to do it, and I want to do things I enjoy mm. with people I love and make memories and create experiences. I cannot do that with no money. No. So you've got to be real as well. It's all good going, oh yeah, who needs money? But I'm not saying go and take your shoes off and live as a hippie on the beach yeah, yeah. And, and eat what you ca- yeah. catch. That's also not what I'm about. It's just trying to find the balance. Yeah. So my things have shifted. So without sounding like a complete idiot, I guess pre-pandemic, I might have spent X amount of money on a coat yeah. or a pair of trainers or on a car or yeah. on a, I went into the pandemic with four cars, strapped up on finance. Yeah. Two we never drove, two me and my wife drove, two were for shows or toys. Yeah. For what? Yeah. Like, for what? Yeah. I just, I cannot bring myself now, regardless whether I've got the money or not, to go and pay those monthly figures again for yeah. a car. I cannot. Every time I have a spare bit of money, I'm saying to my missus, let's book a holiday. Yeah. That's- like, let's do something. Yeah. Let's create, you know, I've got some very, very extremely wealthy, close friends of mine that are like mentors. And I'm extremely lucky to have them around me. And I speak to some of them, you know, one of them sort of, he's 60 now. He's local. And he's got all the money in the world. Like, more money than anyone should have. And there's no reason for anyone to have that kind of money. But, you know, what what makes you tick now, mate, I say. And he says, mate, creating experiences for me and my friends that we wouldn't otherwise be able to yeah, do. Experiences, not things. Yes. So... Why do you want to be on the top of the mountain if you're on your own? Yeah. Who wants to sit on the top of the mound on their own? Yeah. It's a horrible place to be. It's very lonely being a business leader anyway, yeah. as you know. It's yeah. very lonely. 
Everyone turns to you. You've got no one to turn to. You're meant to be Mr. Big Strong. Yeah, have all the answers. You can't show that you're weak or you that you're indecisive or you don't know your own you know, so, mind. So now for me, and my dad used to say this when I was a kid and I never got it. He'd be like, he said, like, I wouldn't be able to eat if someone next to me wasn't eating. I wouldn't be able to, you know, if you're at yeah. the table, we eat together kind of vibe. And it kind of now has, has done full, full 360 and come back to me. So now... If I have a spare bit of money or something that I would normally spend on material things, I might say, I don't know, Warren, what are you into? You're into the rugby. Yeah. You might not have as much disposable income as me. I'll tell you what, well, I've got two tickets to Twickenham, yeah. let's go. Yeah. I've got two tickets to this concert, let's go. So don't get me wrong, I'm still spending money. Yeah. But I'm spending money to create memories yeah. as opposed to have physical things physical. in my hand. So it's not tangible anymore. So I don't want to die with loads of stuff. No. I don't. No point is there? Yeah, like it's a great. I mean, you know, people talk about experience, not things, but you've articulated that tie really well. Um, and I hope you don't mind me asking this, but I'm intrigued to ask you about your dad. Yeah, I know. And you know, the, the first part of this whole conversation was about those life lessons that your dad gave you. Yeah, and that upbringing and being grounded. Okay. And somewhere along the line, you lost that. Mm -hmm. And you've nearly, as you've said yourself, mm -hmm. you've come back around to that. So have you had that conversation with your dad about you, your upbringing, who you became and who you are now? All, um, the, all the time, mate. And what does he say to you? We have the maddest chats. Like, <laughs> well, it not, doesn't normally start like that. It starts by me going to see my mum and dad being extremely stressed. Yeah. And my dad would be like, son, what are you stressed about? What have you got to be stressed about? Okay. You've got home, you've got food on the table, you've got a lovely wife, you've got family, you've got this, you've got like, What have you got to be stressed about? And I'll say, oh, Dad, you know, we, we put this DJ on, it was meant to take X amount of thousands, it took this, and now I'm being hounded by this for the rent. And, you know, and he was like, he's like, I don't know how to articulate it because it's in Turkish, but it's, he's always just so, everything you're worrying about, Ty, he said, is superficial. Yeah. There's not one thing you said that physically causes you or anyone around you, your loved ones, any harm. Yeah. No one's dying. No one's ill. No one's... It's just things. It's your ego. It's your pride. It's your competition. It's the, the guy next door you're keeping up with the Joneses. Just forget about it. Yeah. And he always used to say in Turkish, what will be, will be, son. Yeah. If it's meant to be, it will be. There's a Turkish way of saying that. And he's always been saying that. And I, I championed that a lot as a kid, mate. I, I did. And then somewhere along the line, I got lost. Yeah. I got lost. I came over to Bournemouth... Felt like a big city from Swanage, if I'm being honest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with loads of opportunity. Yeah. Lost my head a bit, 18, you know, young, yeah. 20 years old, thinking I want to change, I want to earn loads of money and change the world, but like in the, in a different way. Yeah. Now I would like to feel that when I am no longer here, that I've added some value to some people's lives. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And when I say, different perspective on when it. I say value, like there's a quote I say a lot, and I think you've got it there. Try to be a person of value, not success. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I feel one's inward, one's outward. Yeah. One's internal, one's external. Yeah. So they say you're the average of the five people you spend your most time yeah. with. They say if you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room. There's all these quotes that are yeah. thrown around. Now, it, if we bear that quote in mind, the people I want around me, I want them to add value to my life. So if I'm around people, I need to make sure I add value to their life. Yeah. And I do not mean financially. It's literally the last thing on my mind. Yeah. It could be positive energy. It yeah. could be that, you know, 
that you're bigging them up, you're egging them on, you're yeah. you're correcting them on if they're going off track. If you know their values yeah. and you know, morally, and st- that you're helping them as well. You know, you're adding some value. Your network, whatever it might be, you're adding some value to their life, and I, that's what that's kind of what I try and do now. So, you know, I'm not going to promote. If you're around me, you're never going to hear me lead you astray, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if I and you're close to me. I will correct you as well. Yeah. Because we're humans. Yeah. We get caught up, we go down a path that might not be in line with our values. And if you're close to someone, you generally know their values. You know, there's there's your values, there's yeah. their values, yeah. there's societal norm, there's moral, yeah. moral compass, there's all these. And everyone's got a different version of what that is to them. But you, I feel you have to be able to uh, positively construct people around you. Yeah. And that's also adding value. So if I'm being an absolute knob, yeah, and my mates don't tell me, and I look back in six months, I actually have a go at them. Yeah, I say, mate, what is wrong with you? I was doing this last year, saying this publicly or acting like this. You never pulled me up on it. Yeah. You know I'm not about that. You know, like why would you? But they're acquaintances, not friends. This is typically. It. This is it. This goes way. back to that top. People want something quote. from you, so they let that behaviour continue. We've got this culture at the moment of. I guess it stems back to what I said as a kid, trying to fit in. Yeah. And to try and fit in, you want to keep people around you happy. Yeah. Which isn't always real. No. There's a big difference. There's a lot of yes people around you. I have a lot of them around me. Yes, yes, yes. And I even say it to my team. You know, I have one member of the team, um, a female, I won't say her name, but she's literally designed to challenge me. So all day, she challenges me. Don't get me wrong. It's... Frustrating. Frustrating. Annoys me. Out of you on a bad day. I don't Annoys know. me. But the, yeah. that whole her whole position within the structure of all the companies and everything is to is to give me the home truths that no one else will yeah. give me. You need people like that. I'm not always right. I'm a human. You're not always right. No. It doesn't necessarily mean. But if someone's got to keep you on track, someone's got to keep you accountable. Yeah. Who's keeping you accountable? Yeah. If it's not your closest and your dearest, are they your closest and your dearest? Yeah. Do they really care about you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's where I'm at with that anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right, as we start to wrap up our conversation, I want to talk to you about the fact that, you know, you have got this role as, you know, for the ambassador for Dorset Mind. You've talked yeah. about some of your own challenges and thank yeah. you for being so open about that. I think it's only when people are open yeah. that we actually start to think, well, I actually, I do feel like that mm-hmm. and I, you know, I need to help and I'll need to have some conversations and... For too long, we play this kind of beat our chest, particularly the alpha male thing, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get you anywhere. Never. So, but you know, you, you do this great ambassadorial role for Dorset Mind, and you do a lot within the community now. Yeah. So you've got to be a strong believer that entrepreneurs have a social responsibility. Tyre. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. You. The times have changed. So in the old days, an entrepreneur. Uh, might be in newspapers and stuff, but now we have social media, right? Yeah. So I've got a large following and a platform, mm-hmm. as you might, as the other person might. I feel as an entrepreneur and as a good person, which mm. is probably the number one rule of life, Yeah. I have a responsibility of what message I'm giving out on yeah. those platforms. Yeah. Because someone somewhere 
a lot of people are watching it, but someone somewhere will take what I'm saying as gospel, and as I take what other people are yeah. saying as gospel. We, I listen to a podcast. I, li- I we subsume I, it, don't we? We of take course. it into our subconscious. Whether it's subliminally, yeah. whether it's intentionally, you know, I'm listening to the writings of a guy that died two thousand years ago. Yeah. What the hell does he know about modern life? <laughs> yeah. But the fundamentals are the same. So I categorically agree that there's a social responsibility for entrepreneurs, hundred percent, hundred percent to give back to help the communities, to help the areas grow, the places that made them, they need to give back to. Yeah. That's my honest answer on that. And before I ask you for your definition of success, which I'm going to love asking that question <laughs> in a moment, um, what's next for Ty then? What does the next two or three years look like for Ty? Oh, good question. I think, personally, uh, got married last year in September. It was meant to be married. Thank you. It was meant to be married the year before, but in New York, with that COVID threw that off, so we, we delayed it a year. So over the next two, three years, I, one of my all-time goals is to be a dad. Okay, it's a great experience, best experience in the world. Tom. So everyone tells me I'm currently a cat dad. Thanks, to my missus, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the same. Um, so personally, maybe down that route, if if the powers that be allow it, if you know what I mean. Um, commercially, I'll be honest, Warren, I'm. I've got a few little events and things I'm working on. I'm probably going to put the brakes on anything really big and riskful for at least this year because yeah. I feel like 2022 is a year of recovery. Yeah. And although all the restrictions are lifted and everyone's like, oh yeah, we're back to normal. Yeah. There's still going to be a lot of fatalities in the hospitality industry and in other industries. Yeah. There's it, there's some tough times ahead of us. It's always going to get hard. And you for didn't it have that good year, like restaurants and bars had a better year in 2021 when everything opened up. You were still restricted. We were you? still shut. But I have to be honest, July 19th, Freedom Day, yeah. to mid-November to the Omnicon scare, yeah. nightclubs had it off. Okay. Right. We did so really did well. Have that I, I, I can't sit here and say we didn't. We had an extremely okay. tough 18 months, as you know, yeah. I was lobbying loads for trying to yeah. get support. Um, but that, that, that sort of five, six months, you weren't allowed out of the country, so yeah. everyone came down south. We became like Magaluf down here. Yeah. But it meant we took good money. Okay. Right. So that was good. Um, so, but no big risks this year then? <laughs> um <laughs> I'm saying that now, but there is a few things bubbling in my head. I, it's probably too early to say, but okay. that I might jump at if I see something shiny and I'm like, here we go. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> right, here we go then. To wrap up the podcast, the one final question, Ty. Um, please, it's called the Evolve to Succeed podcast. So what is your definition of success? This comes from my old man again. Okay. This was told to me in Turkish from the age of two till 10, or even still now. But if I had to translate it, it would go something like the true definition of success or wealth is being able to affect those around you positively. Yeah. That's it. If I had to put it into one sentence. It's great, isn't it? That you've come back round to that. That is it. Brilliant. Thank you, Ty. I've loved our conversation. It's been quite a profound conversation. It's been quite deep. But you've shared some personal stuff with us that, you know, and you've been open and that I hope it will be of huge value to others that are listening. So thank you, Ty, for being a great guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.